0: welcome to the speak the language podcast we are broadcasting from cottonmouth today but we are not talking about what's going on in cottonmouth right now we are talking for the sake of
1: not only in the midwest but for a lot of other parts of the country mm-hmm. it's about to be go time it is it's it's amazing how that rut and the way it works and what it does and you know the guys in the midwest right now are or loving what's fixing to happen mm-hmm. and then when it's all said and done and it's over, they can't wait. They're all trying to come down here and hunt with us or be a part of the, <laughs> the South because our rut starts get kicking right by the time. Right. I,
0: I can remember because uh, I had – you have much more experience in the Midwest than I do. But, I, I mean, I had that one season um, in that prior show that I worked with, and it was like a whole new world to me because I remember it would get a, right about this time, mm-hmm. and all those guys that I deer hunt with, they started getting giddy. And mm-hmm. you know, it just – my, my time clock was completely off because, you know, down here, that's November is kind yeah. of our – we call it the low yeah, down there, the November low. You, know, like, mm.
1: uh, you know, up there you get the October low, and we get the November low. Yeah, there, exactly.
0: So. so, I mean, that's and that's what we're talking about because, uh, you know, there's like I said, there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are about to <laughs> that that special time's time is about to hit, and so um, let's talk about obviously the, the thing that I mean, the rut excites a lot of people, but I think one of the most exciting parts about the rut and things that people get excited about is calling a whitetail in. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And I know you have a lot of experience with that, so let's start from from the very get go. I mean, if you you Troy, if you are if you are hunting the Midwest right now, are you are you today is October the twenty seventh? Are mm-hmm. you are you afraid to be calling right now? Do you think it's too early? Or no, do you...
1: I don't think it's too early. And I, and I'll tell you, I'll make a quick story out of this. I'll never forget the very first time I ever truly witnessed the rut. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in nineteen eighty. It was either 85 or 86. Myself and Preston Pittman were up in southern Ohio, and we were hunting in Meigs County with a good friend of ours, um, Randy. And i never forget, he put us on this ridge, and we climbed to the top of this ridge. First time I've ever been out of Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And here it is, I think it was like a day or two before Veterans Day. Which is that key day for me, being from the South, and, and if you talk to everybody in the Midwest, everybody keys their time around Veterans Day, give or take a few days before a few days after. Right. That's kind of when it right, Yeah. And we climbed to the top of this ridge, and we got in this stand, and I'm like, why are we even here? There's not a food plot. You know, a Southern boy, I'm looking for food plots, I'm yeah. looking for pine rows, yeah. and I'm like, we're on the top of a ridge, and it, it, it falls off on both sides so steep, and it's a little saddle. I knew yeah. nothing right. about the Midwest. And we were sitting, I'll never forget, it was about 10.30 that morning and Preston and I was eating a sandwich. Randy told us to stay in the stand all day, which was totally weird for me. And we sat in that sand till we was going to stay all day. But about 10.30, I heard this. I thought it was a gorilla. I, I didn't know what it was. I mean, it was just, it was an incredible
0: just.
1: And I can just hear leaves and brush cracking and stuff coming up the hill. And all of a sudden, I see this doe coming running down the ridge. Yeah. And there was nine bucks chasing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I looked at it. Preston, I was like. What was that? He said, somebody's making a drive. Being from the south, we thinking somebody's yeah, making man, a drive. drive yeah. But looking back on it and, and, and seeing what happened and listening what happened, make a long story short, two days later, I shot a deer on that same ridge, and he wasn't nothing big. Back in those days, I shot the first thing that walked up. Yeah. And he was, a, he was about 100, I'm going to say he was about a 99-inch six-point. Good enough. He come up there, and I wally whopped him. <laughs> Climb out of the tree, and we're sitting there doing the recovery, me and Preston, and I hear, yeah. 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 coming up the ridge behind me. And I turn around, and this 145, 150-inch 9-point comes running up the hill and runs right up to me. And it's funny. You hear the leaves as Preston's filming a deer. And Preston pans back to me, and I'm reaching for my bow, and Preston says, you can't kill but one here. I was like, crap. (laughs) But anyway, you know, calling during the rut, and and if you're going to call at this time of the year, you know, it's it's pre-rut. It's the time of the year when – as a hunter we've done a lot of our homework already we've right. done our early season scouting we've got trail cameras up which are an incredible tool that we have today to really let us know what deer are in our area and in the midwest you know versus what we hunt here i mean you look at what we're doing on cottonmouth it's flat as a pancake right and it's, it's just trail after trail after trail I, yeah, I can, that's one of the things that i that i
0: learned when i went hunting in the midwest there's so much more about the terrain dictating what the deer oh, do than, gosh, so is. than there it, is down here
1: it, it truly does and down here deer you know Late season, the deer can stand in one place and look for four hundred yards mm-hmm. and see you wherever Absolutely. you are. Whereas over there, everything's built around woodlots, small farms, right. little areas. And you and I both know when those big deer find a home place and they have no pressure on them, that's where they stay. That's where they stay. They don't have any reason that's to go right. anywhere else. And the other
0: thing too is like when, and you hear we say it all the time. You hear, you know, uh, just the other day Brad was talking about a ridge and we were hunting cotton Cottonmouth. A mm-hmm. ridge to us could be an hill. Yeah, just a few feet <laughs> of elevation change. Right. I, and I remember the that first season they were like. We're going to hang a stand on top of this ridge. He's on a piece of public ground. And they said, we're going to go to the top of that ridge. I said, ridge, that's a mountain. (laughs) It's not a ridge. Around
1: here where we hunt in this part of the country, especially here inside the the levee system of the Mississippi River in the bottoms, a ridge is something that stays out of water for some little period of time when the river gets up. That's considered pretty much a ridge. And it's what our deer travel when we do have water. And even though when the water goes down, they still travel those small ridges. But getting back to the rut in that early season, you know, Gosh, dang it, man! You got to be so careful because yeah. you don't want to bump that big deer. Depending on how big of a place you're hunting, but calling, far as I'm concerned, at this time of the year, man, it can happen at any moment, at any time, for sure. Morning, evening, night, middle of the day. The the key in calling at this time of the year for me is just letting the deer know I'm there. Yeah, you know, deer communicate with several things. They can communicate vocally. They communicate with their eyes. They communicate with scent. There's so much of a of a i guess you'd call it a, a a process that goes on where there's things that deer do and noises they make that we never hear Mm-mm. but the only noises we ever hear are when it's during the rut it's the right. only time we really want to use yeah. deer calls is because we're well, trying so, to call in yeah, the one we're most effective exactly early season i'm i'm gonna just keep it simple yeah. i'm gonna keep it light and i'm gonna keep it short right because those deer are keyed up testosterone levels are through the roof mm-hmm. and it could happen that fast and it could happen in 30 minutes it could take three hours right if you know the deer are there and you're blind calling as as we call it right and you want to try to just see if anything responds chances are this time of the year it's either going to be a very young buck or a really old buck mm. and if that buck is the dominant buck in that area and you're doing a little bit of light calling he's like who is that in my living room? I mean, it's no different than me and you, you know, you go out with your girlfriend or something or your wife and you at a restaurant or something, you see some guy hitting on your wife. First thing you can do is walk up there and say, can I help you? Yeah. And it's the same thing with deer. So as far as calling, just keep it simple at this time of the year, yeah. early and light and simple. Cause you, you're hunting sign. That's mm-hmm. what we're all hunting this time of year. We're hunting scrapes. We're hunting rugs. We're hunting ridges. We know what's going on. Yeah, People know where we their bedding areas sitting. are, where the food sources are. The, the,
0: the other thing too, that you
1: hit on and, and uh, I've
0: seen y'all do that, and I've learned a lot from from y'all for, about this. Is uh, starting out, a lot of people uh, either either from not knowing or just being excited when they they, they first get the calls out, they want to wake the whole woods up. Mm-hmm. They want I mean, and, and there is a time of the year for that. Mm-hmm. But I would say in that pre-rut stage, that wouldn't be what I went to first, you know. Like, and you no. said that I, I would start at a lower volume.
1: That's exactly right. And and you know what? It's it's not about how long or how much you call. I think of a scenario that Brad and I witnessed in Kansas one year, um, and it was during – it was pre-rut. It, yeah. it was it, – it's it's a big deer that I killed, a big wide 11-point, and Brad was videoing me. And I'll never forget it. We were sitting in an hourglass food plot that had a pinch point. And we got in a tree. We were sitting there. This 9-point and this huge old 7-point with a broke ear came out in the food plot and the deer we were after was a deer we saw three days early and we actually moved our stands closer to the bedding area so we can catch him a little bit early because he was coming to where we were at a food source in an alfalfa field he mm-hmm. was getting there in the dark mm-hmm. so we backed up and these two bucks this nine point to seven point got in this knock drag knock down drag out fight while they were fighting the true rattle part of the fight nothing happened but when they separated and that seven point, whooped that nine point, he let out a grunt snort wheeze that was so loud, you could feel it. Yeah. And when he did that, I looked up, ah, probably 275 yards our right in the creek bottom. And this big deer that we were after, that's where he was bedded, came busting out of there like a bull. Mm-hmm. And he ran into that food plot and split those two deer up. And when those two, two deer ran off, there was two there's two does in that food plot. And he got behind those two does. And the whole time he was just, yeah, bleh, bleh, just that bet, bet, bet almost like a click you hear him there and he was doing that click and he'd stop and he'd grunt snort wheeze and he'd wheeze at him and he wound up chasing one of the does off and i called him back but when he came back he got with another doe and chased that doe and left her well a spike comes out in the food plot and he's probably 200 250 yards walking away with the doe and i just grunted at him as loud as i could just man and then i and he turned and looked back and when he did he saw that spike right he looked back at his doe, looked back towards the spike, and he says, No, There's ain't no nobody hit, gonna be. No. And he turned around and walked right to me, and right. I killed him. So w- the reason I say that is, is I got to witness that scenario, and I've used that scenario by what I witnessed and listened to that day and what I saw. Yeah. And if you can make it that much more believable to that deer, mm-hmm. he's apt to come and look yeah. for it. And make it sound like it's more than just grunting, it's more than just rattling. It's it's more than just wheezing. Even even if you gotta take the can and, bah, yeah. and have old Buck chasing the doe, because that doe did mat two or three times when she ran off. It's it's keeping it real. It's realism. Yeah. It's not how bad you sound or how good you sound. It's realism. Realism. In your mind and, and in today's world versus twenty five, thirty years ago, we got so many of us that are out there videoing this stuff nowadays. That we all know what it looks like, we all yeah. know what it sounds like, oh, and yeah. we can, we can build that that picture in our minds. And we've got to build that picture in a deer's mind to make it so real that he's got to come see it. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and that's the, the, while you you took me to my next point. A lot of people ask, or, you know, what what all do you take? What's the one thing you wouldn't go without? A lot of times, when I hear that question, it's like a there's not ever I'm not ever going to take just one thing. Right, Rattler rattling antlers. Grunt call, I want all of it. All of it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because right. you never know, and uh, we so much hinges on letting the deer dictate what you do or how mm-hmm. aggressive you get. So, what what do you? Let's because this is a question that that I see pop up a lot.
1: Well, what's the first thing you're going to go to? First thing I'm going to go to is a set of rattling horns. Yeah, that gets their attention, mm-hmm. um, especially during pre-rut. Exactly. Yeah. That's a sound that every deer in the woods knows exactly what that is. You can sit in there and bang pots and pans together. We know what pots and pans sounds like when mama's in the kitchen cooking, or your mm-hmm. girlfriend or your wife's in, in the kitchen cooking. And those deer know exactly what that sound is. And that's I call that the intention attention yeah. getter number one. The intention getter number two is a grunts, no wheeze. Right. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to have a, a go to call in the woods during that time of the year, it's going to be the horns because that, that signifies a fight. Right. It is a fight going on. And, one and, way or the, other.
0: and the Bucks, during that time of the year, Mm-hmm. And at that stage they're 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 looking they're cruising mm-hmm. and they're starting to establish dominance who's the man who's going to get what and so what you're trying to do is you know if you catch one moving and he knows what that sound is, he's
1: already keyed up kind of looking for that going on. he's just that more apt to come in there and see That's what's going exactly. on and especially in the midwest again because you're hunting you're not hunting big giant tracks of land. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience in the Midwest right, other yeah. than Kansas. Kansas is one of those places where I I've always enjoyed the rut because you can watch the rut happen. You're watching a deer out in the open and you're right. watching them run through these big open grass fields and through this prairie and you, you can, you can see a deer out there. It's, three 400 yards and mm-hmm. watch what he does and watch his reaction to whatever calling you do yeah um my second go-to call at that time of the year is going to be that grunt snort weeds yeah. that's again an attention getter yeah if a deer is if you're grunting at him grunting at him grunting at him, he ain't paying attention he's behind the doe walking and you rattle at him and he doesn't stop or just stops and looks your way and walks off you grunt snort weeds at him I'm going to say nine times out of ten, he's coming to see what's going on.
0: I've seen that. Yeah, I've I've seen that where you you try everything else, and you throw mm a snow weed at him, it's like it just changes everything. Well, it's,
1: it's, you know, we're all grown ups here, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're standing in the crowd and you're talking to everybody and. At some point in time, you got to get your message across. There's some folks that I know that the only way they can get their message across is to cuss at you. <laughs> and to me, when you grunt snort wheeze at another buck, you're basically cussing at him yeah. in his home turf. Yeah.
0: Oh, I mean that's yeah. yeah. That, that snort wheeze means one thing. It means he's trying to fight. It means I am mad as a hornet. Mm-hmm.
1: And it usually means that there's two bucks standing right there looking at each other. Yeah. And if that dominant buck is the owner of those woods. He's probably going to come. Now, your lesser bucks, I have seen you grunt snort wheeze at them. Your lesser off. bucks, here, turn around and run off yeah. the other way.
0: Because you, you, may have, you may have encountered a buck that had gotten whooped yeah. before and he hears that That's and he exactly. said, oh, not again. And
1: don't feel because you grunt snort wheeze at a deer and he runs off, don't feel like you screwed up because you really didn't. You probably just ran off the deer you don't want to shoot.
0: I have seen, uh, I have seen an instance where we didn't, there, there was a buck, um, and I, I was filming, the guy was going to shoot him, and he snort wheezed, and the deer that we were looking at ran off. And we didn't know it when he ran off. He ran past a bigger, more mature deer, and it was—I guess that younger buck running off, and that older buck seeing it, he thought that deer that snort wheezed had scared, you know, had run mm-hmm. off
1: another deer, and he came in. Mm-hmm. So I mean, stuff like you know, that's you just, just man, you you in their world right there, yeah. and it's at that time of the year where everything, they're they're. they're just like elk. Yeah. Well, like thing. you
0: said, that testosterone's pumping. Oh, it's through and, the roof. I, mean,
1: it's, I wish you could take the body temperature of a whitetail when he's in the rut like that. Just so no. same no thing tail. with elk. Eyes, no telling where it's at. You know, in that scenario I was telling you about that, that I witnessed in Kansas, Kansas, the very next year, uh, me and Keith Burgess, um, I think this would have been, I don't even remember what, what what the year was, but we, we went to, um, oh, my mind just went blank. We were, back in, we were back in Kansas. Actually, we were hunting at another place. was that okay, Troy Barton's. Yeah. And we had got in late that night, and Troy had hung a stand on his finger of trees that he told us about that goes out into a big open CRP field. And he said, Troy, I don't even know what's there. He said, but that stand's always been good. You guys just go get in it. Because we got there late, and we had about six or eight stands we needed to hang. And mm-hmm. he said, just go get in that stand tomorrow morning. It's a great morning, and y'all climb down, and we'll get together, and then go hang stands and do some scouting. I right. said, that's perfect. So Keith and I got in that tree. And it was 8 o'clock. In the comments you just made a minute ago, I looked at Keith. I said, I think it's time to wake the woods up. Yeah. It was cold. We must have, I think we watched 200 turkeys fly down in front of us. Just one of those mornings where everything was perfect. And I told Keith, I said, 8 o'clock, we'll rattle. And if nothing shows up in 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, we'll climb down and go do what we got to do. And what I did in my mind is I relived that same exact scenario yeah. I witnessed the year before yeah. in southern Kansas. I got in a fight. I grunt snort wheezed, buck chasing the doe with the can, pip, 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 mm, pip, pip, mm, called him back, rattled again. I set the horns down, and I turned to look at Keith, and Keith looked right down at me. This is all of in about three or four minutes. Keith looks at me, and he taps his ear like you hear something. And I look. I We're in a Bodock tree. and I, We're not 11 feet off the ground because yeah. the tree's thick. Right. And I look, and I see feet coming. And this deer... Evidently, was in the thicket right there and walked right up to me. It's one of the biggest eight points I've ever shot, and I shot him just point blank at the base right. of the tree, and made that scenario that real that it happened that fast. Yeah. And I know Jordan did a tip today. We were doing some tips on video for our YouTube channel. And Jordan did a tip, and at the end of his tip, he says, "At that time of the year, when you are calling, the best thing to do is as soon as you get done calling, you better put your bow in." Your yeah, because it can happen fast. Oh, it for really sure. Can.
0: And, it, and there's two things I want to touch on. The first one you said that's some super valuable information and because and, i know we we do the same thing with elk, turkey calling whatever mm-hmm. that can bode you very very well Big if you time. if you hear i mean it, it just it makes it's common sense if, Learn you from the it. animals. if you hear what the animals do and you saw a situation like that then try i mean i've done i've done that oh, i've yeah. done like a turkey's out and so and how because not only that it just makes you that much more realistic because you're playing out something that sounds right to the deer and just gives you that much more of a better That's chance right. um the second thing and, and like you said i mean i've seen it i, I saw it like i said that for I, I didn't i really know what to expect when i first went up there until i started seeing the deer react like that mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right you, you can't you have to be on your p's and q's that time of year because it, can, it it's do. not the kind of situation you're talking about where it happens that quick that's not uncommon. Like it's not uncommon mm-hmm. at all. And so,
1: it, I mean, especially if you catch a buck walking across a cornfield or right. cutting across the edge of a field or over the top of a ridge in a saddle, and you get his attention fast, like you you almost startle him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where'd that come? Be? Man, I've seen them jokers pre- break and run and, yeah. Cause and it get you, to you so fast why yeah. not running right by Because
0: you're talking about, they can be so keyed up that it just takes that one sound, yeah. and they, it's like they don't even think about it. It yeah. just pushes them over the edge, and they're there. And and sometimes you can get lucky enough to where you see them, and that happens. Or sometimes it could be a situation like yours where mm-hmm. you're in a
1: thicket, next thing you know, that deer is under you. It is. And I'll tell you what else makes it real. The very next, two days later, Keith and I were still in Kansas, and uh we had we had drove the morning i killed my buck we were driving out and there was this huge eight point laying out in the middle of a pasture Mm -hmm. in a little clump of grass and he had a doe hemmed up and we were trying to figure out why we wasn't seeing a lot of deer and and we we saw that and i thought well you know they're in lockdown yeah well the next day we saw that very same deer again and all his points were broke off and one of his main beans were snapped in half and keith's like Man, you think he got hit by a truck? I said, no, he ain't limping. I said, that joker got in a fight. he been fighting, yeah. So we went and hung a stand in this one spot and came and hunted the next day. And I had a friend of mine who does our taxidermist work give me a full-mounted deer. It was a small deer that he'd done for Louisiana Game and Fish Division, and they wasn't using it no more, so he gave it to me. And we brought that there. This is before we came out with our decoys. Right. And we brought that deer. And Keith and I were sitting in that tree and we saw this deer and Keith called to him, called to him, and the deer started trying to circle downwind, like they all do. They all do. And we was in the wide open. We was in one cottonwood tree in the middle of this thicket. And he's trying to circle downwind and he goes in between these two plum thickets. And right when he goes in between the two of them, he I told Keith, Grunt, 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 and he grunted. And when he did, the deer looked. And when the deer looked, he saw the decoy. And we had the decoy right at the base of the tree. And that deer wound up coming right in and Keith killed him. And I think you probably remember that. Yeah, this, oh yeah. It was a big old, I mean, this deer had like nine and a half, ten inch bases, yeah. points going all kind of crazy places. But anyway, had it not been for the decoy and the realism of what was going on, right. it gave him realism for his ears, but also a visual when he saw that decoy yeah. because we were so much in a wide open. Exactly.
0: And that, that is a way to get around that if you can't get in somewhere that you have kind of
1: obstructions to make it where he doesn't have to come look for you set up so key
0: yeah so let's let's get to that i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna start this where we're going at this point with a a story this is one of my old one of my old mess up stories Mm. so we're in Iowa. i was hunting and uh we're on this just a really cool you know there's two kind of adjacent ridges running side by side kind of came down to a little flat down in the bottom and uh like kind of the same kind of morning you're talking about it was cool it was crisp i mean it was probably in 20s that morning it just felt like a midwest rut kind of morning mm-hmm. and i turned and i looked at the guy I said i'm gonna rattle said, okay so i rattled put the horns up immediately we saw like i think we rattled in like three or four little bucks and they kind of came in they did perfect you know that you know young bucks they, they yeah. came down came right to the tree and I, man, I this is cool and I mean, this all happened using again. their eyes, not their nose. Right. Yeah. You know, just like a young teenager. That mm-hmm. you know, if the old ones
1: did like that. We'd all be killing <laughs> big deer, but so if, the, if all if the old ones would do that, you and I would quit doing what we do and we'd get into taxidermy <laughs> business. Right.
0: Right. So so we're you know them, them ones come in. and this all happens you know almost immediately after you know because we're in you know they just came right there and the next I hear something walking and I pick my binoculars up I look through and I that's that's not a little one you know he's big I mean he's probably 140 inch type eight point mm-hmm. no nice deer. And what he did is he he kind of stayed on that adjacent ridge, stayed in the thicket, and he came and he looked, he looked down into that opening, which is you know kind of base of tree, and he saw there wasn't a the deer down there, and he just kind of kept going, he wouldn't come down into that opening, and we lost him, and uh, the wind that day was hitting us in the face, so we kind of man I guess he just didn't want to come down there you know, and uh, few I mean it was not five minutes later. I hear a twig snap. I look behind us. That deer had circled all the way around mm-hmm. us and gotten downwind. And it was that same deer, same buck, mm-hmm. gotten downwind, smelled us, and ran off. And that was just me being young and inexperienced and not knowing, but that's that's something that I want to talk about is how important your setup can be because you can, you can have the best call in the morning. You can be within ear range of a of a call-responsive deer, and you you still can be unsuccessful Big if your time. setup's not right. Big
1: time. And, you know— I say that, and in, in, in here in the South versus the Midwest, it's so much different. It's just like here in the South. People say deer calling don't work, and coyote calling don't work. Well, both of them work. We've proven that. But here in the South, majority of the deer that you call up, majority of the coyotes that you call up during predator season are circling downwind, and you're not seeing them because yeah. it's so thick. Yeah. Whereas in the Midwest, you have much bigger ag fields. You have open timbers. You have these bigger ridges. Here in the South, we're just flat as a pancake. Right. and it's tough to call here, but— yeah. If you do your homework, know your property, and know those barriers where you can get something behind you, i.e., a thicket, uh, a pond, a lake, a big creek. For our luck here at Cottonmouth, we got the Mississippi River and some some duck holes that we have in sloughs that right. tend to flood, and that helps out a lot. And the key is getting that right wind. And me, you, and Jordan, and Will, and Brad, and Jimmy, we got stands set up here strategically for just calling. We won't go to those stands unless the wind's absolutely perfect, and we go to those stands to do one thing and one thing only, and that's the call because they're on the edge of water, they're on the edge of a thicket, they're on the edge of a creek bank or the edge of a duck pond, and those deer that you know are going to be coming out of that thicket in front of you can't circle down wind. Right. And if you eliminate that, chances are you're going to see, I'm not saying chances, you're going to see more deer. Right. You're going to see more of your older, more mature deer because your older, more mature deer are going to want to try to circle downwind, and they'll do it so slow and so methodically yeah. that you won't even know they're in the world. No,
0: that's what I said. they go like I yeah. said. The, those three younger bucks came barely yeah, in. Just, right oh, in wait, where's the fight? What do you know? Exactly. And that older one, the mature one, he just
1: came slowly. Well, just step. Those old deer, if you watch them, it, it's it's incredible, especially during that time of the year. It's like an old it's like an old doe in the early season. They make every step count. Yeah they don't make a step that doesn't mean something and they don't make a decision that's a bad decision right the only time a big bus gonna make a bad decision is when his when when that level of testosterone is over the mm-hmm. roof and you've done all your homework and don't get me wrong there are all those times where you get them come busting up in there and you got a luck you just got lucky yeah okay. i'm concerned it happens everybody kills big deer yeah i'd much rather be lucky than good any day. <laughs> yeah but the barrier thing and having something to stop those deer from circling downwind is the key. Yeah, that is bottom line. The, the, yeah. so the most I, important part you could do.
0: I would say, out of my see, in in my situation I just laid out. I, I'm I didn't if I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it right. I didn't mess up once. I messed up twice. Mm-hmm. So the downwind was messed up number one. Number two was putting myself in a situation where, like I said, the where I was trying to calm down into was wide open. Mm-hmm. so the deer like i said that old buck could not only one before he circled down wind before he even had to think about circling down when he come down and he could look down in that open timber and say there's not a deer there what's mm-hmm. the deal with that so that's something that that's that's worth looking into too is um trying to call a deer you know in, in wide open timber it, it's the same way we hear about with mm-hmm. the same reason principle why we have someone drop back call as an elk in the elk that's right yeah so the same kind of principles to those thickets that you were talking about you know if you put yourself in a thicket or or you know just or maybe a thicket or small timber or somewhere where it's just not wide open that gives the deer you know they can't look over there and immediately go why can't i see a deer you that's know right. so that's just different kinds of things well so,
1: it, even it, and it doesn't have to be a whole lot no it really doesn't if you're in an open area you actually have a little bit of a favorite in your way simply because what you're dealing with there is let's say you got I think of a place one time in Illinois where we were hunting they had did some some select cutting that past summer and there was a lot of tops laying around open timber but had a lot of tops laying around and we called in this one buck and and he did he did the ultimate thing which was try to circle down wind and it was during gun season yeah but he came close enough I mean we started calling to him he was 350 through the woods and yeah. we're trying to shoot you know shoot him with a slug gun and i said man if we can just get him within 150 yards we can shoot him yeah well he came straight to us got to about 200 and then he started circling and once he started making that circle he just started getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and he was basically going from top to top to try to find that yeah. deer but what we did to change that was instead of calling right at him turning called behind us yeah you'd be amazed how much that makes a little bit of a difference And if you got, for us, we're lucky enough to have two people in a tree. If you got somebody running the camera with you, or you got a buddy with you, or you're hunting with your kids, you can call and let them stay focused on the deer. And you tell each other, all right, call now. Wait, 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 wait. All right, call now. And turn your head and and make that call go in behind you and make that deer come around in a circle. If you've got that, especially for gun season, that, that to me, if you can just get them within 100, 150 yards of yeah. the gun, you got them. We're
0: calling for a gun and calling for both, it's definitely a different ballgame, but
1: there's, there's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you got that secondary rut coming during the gun season in yeah. Illinois and that's what we witnessed, and, yeah. you know, you get that, that 28 to, 25 to 28 day period there where you get those second does that come back into estrus, and those big boys are back on it their feet again it starts over again yeah it's yeah, time to break strong. the rattle. sometimes the i wonder how they do it they, you know they run for a solid two and a half three weeks as hard as they can and lose all that body weight and then they go again when
0: you see especially in it's those deer up there and the deer down here because i mean the, the rut is is equally hard on them down here at cottonmouth mm-hmm. so it's the same principle but those those huge deer—you see them during the early season. They look like such tanks, yeah. and then you see how they look after the rut. It's like pitiful.
1: Gosh, they got scars and they all busted up, and they got pus sticking out of their eyes right. and their ears, and they just—you know—but that—that's the way God made yeah. them. It's, they, it's amazing to me. I see, they we see it every year. survive, but, yeah. and they survive to eat. That's what. They yeah, do.
0: we we see it every year, but it never stops. amazing me just how much breed and survive. How much they put themselves through during that time of year—it's crazy. Tough as nails, I know that. Uh, but okay so the last point i want to talk about and you kind of got to it there is is so i'm trying i always try to talk about things that i think are the most the either the most crucial parts of a hunt or parts that can that are easy to mess up on and so let's talk about when you're calling to a deer while you're looking at him mm-hmm. you know, while you while you while you're standing there mm-hmm. he's either you're either he's either coming your way kind of already or you just see him and he's cruising and mm-hmm. then you then you call to him i'm thinking then so before we even get into the troubleshooting let's
1: what are you going to do you're
0: sitting if I'm you're in the midwest if, and you see him he's, he's just I'm cruising. in the
1: midwest and i see a buck crossing coming down a ridge across from me and i see him coming and i know he's not coming to me i know how that ridge runs right. topography biography wise i know right. which way the ridge is going to go he's going to he's going to hit you know he's running from east to west or he's running from east to west or walking from east to west and that ridge is going to turn and take him to the northwest and i know it's going to do that What I'm going to do is instead of calling to him when he's coming down the ridge, walking towards me, looking at me, I ain't going to call to him. I'm going to let him get past me and start walking away, make him think he's leaving. And then when he turns and he's looking away from me, I'm going to call to him and see if I can get his attention and stop him. And stop him, and when he stops and looks, I'm not calling to him again until he tells me what he wants. At that point in time, if you stop him, he's either going to come or he ain't. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's the two things. Yeah. He, he's not. If he runs off, it's probably not the buck you want to hunt anyway. Yeah,
0: and that, that's if, something I see people mess up on a lot. I'm glad you said that. You know, they want to. They'll either get really excited or just be from inexperience. Yeah. They'll they'll call the deer, and it's like once that seal gets broken, mm-hmm. a calling opened up. One time, it's the floodgates are on, yeah. and that out and, yep. and so using. Like you said, goes back to letting the animal dictate what sure. you do. That's that's yeah. Yeah. and
1: watch his body language. You'll yeah. know if he's hearing you. A lot of times they'll stop. You won't even think they heard you for nothing. They'll just watch his ears. Mm-hmm. That's going to tell you if he heard you or not. He may not look your way, but he may stop and you see that one ear turn backwards yeah. and he's listening for that again. And you mm-hmm. might want to hit him again just burp, real quick. Just a and if he turns and looks, just let him tell you. He's either going to turn and start coming right at you, or he's going to start circling downwind. Mm-hmm. If he starts circling downwind just hope and pray that you did your homework and you up against something big where he can't get right. He may get right even with you and hit that edge and walk right to you either from your left or your right, but right. if he can't get behind you, he's coming.
0: Yeah. Especially in, in that kind of situation, I, it's just so, um, another thing, and, and I can't, I can't take credit for this. I think just about anything, you know, good advice that I have someone shared with me, my buddy Aaron Warburton taught me how to do this same kind of situation. Deer's walking. He may be 50, 60 yards, and he's walking and you're wanting to call to him i like to instead of for him to be out in the wide open you know if he or if he's in the wide open or you know open timber or walking through a crp field whatever i like to wait for the deer's head to go behind a tree a big mm-hmm. cedar whatever mm-hmm. just because the simple purpose of that just gives you that much more that puts that deer in that much more of a situation where, where he has to go what was that or where was that
1: well if, if you call into a deer when you call to a deer i.e. a turkey an elk i don't care what look i've always said this if deer hunters would have as much uh faith as duck hunters do at calling game mm-hmm. i think more deer hunters would be more amazed at how many deer they would truly really <laughs> call and right. call in if they do their homework right. based on the topography of the land and using that but having that deer go behind something when you make that sound to him, if he's 50, 60 yards and you call to him, he knows exactly mm-hmm. where you're at. And don't mm-hmm. think he won't look right up in that tree and see you. Right. That's not so going to look up in the tree and go, deer ain't supposed to be up there. Right. That shouldn't have came from there. But having that deer go behind something, that's a, that, that's a, that's a great tip because it stops him from seeing where you are. He's probably going to stop behind that tree yeah. when you do call. And when he stops, he's going to stop and try to figure out where that came from. Yeah. And he's either going to come to you walk out behind the tree and look again and you hit him when he goes behind another tree hit him again either that or what I what I what I like to do is
0: I've seen this too so you, know, you call maybe he's not even behind a tree yet maybe you call already whatever mm-hmm. but he calls and snaps his head and he's looking mm-hmm. I do not like to call when they're already mm-hmm. looking that way mm-hmm. I like to let them start walking again and when oh, yeah. they start walking again and kind of as soon as they turn their head and then yep. that just gives them more situation okay wait a minute you yep. know cuz you I
1: just you know it just, you're trying to surprise him. Right. I like calling to him when they're walking with their head down. Exactly. You get him, they're walking, they got that old nose down, and they're trying to find that dough, and you, eh, that joke will stop and listen. And he's like, Did I just hear what I thought I heard? Mm-hmm. And then they'll kind of blow it off and take off walking again, and you eh, eh, hit him again, and he's like, Oh, no, I heard it. Right. And if he starts walking again, grunts no wheeze at him. Sometimes they just break and run. Game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it happen both because ways. Because you already established, hey, I'm a buck over here, right? And then he's thinking, ah, it's just a little old guy just grunting. That's all. And then you grunt, no wheeze, and he's yeah. like, oh no.
0: And you, yeah, because you're you're telling him, you know, I mean business. Mm-hmm. And if he's the right kind of buck, like, uh uh-uh, uh And, here and you know what?
1: There's those days that you go out there where nothing works. Right. You you think that you can't call in and it's not your fault. It's all timing. It's all timing. Yeah,
0: let's. I, I know I said that was the last point. There's one thing it made <laughs> me think. There's something I definitely want to talk on, is how, especially if you're blind calling, mm-hmm. is how frequently you call. Because I think I know some. Sometimes you know, because we've said it before. I know you've said it before. You like to call every 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. twenty minutes, something like that. I've had some people ask, you know like, why would you call every fifteen minutes? You know, if the deer's out there, and he did Wouldn't that sound funny? That's the whole principle of it is
1: how much those deer are moving and That's catching right. different deer. It depends on the scenario. It depends on where I'm hunting and what I'm hunting. Um, if it's the rut, the peak of the rut, I want to call right at daylight, mm-hmm. just as soon as I could see the shoot. You know, for us video, and gosh, we got to have a lot more light than, than it would be if we wasn't out there. Just right, hunting. yeah, for sure. So, you know, how many times you've been sitting in the woods, and I know this has happened to many, many people. I know it's happened to you, Jordan, all of us, and so many out there listening. You get in the tree right at daylight or, you know, it's still dark and you're getting all your stuff together and all of a sudden you eat, They oh, just yeah. come beeping yeah. right under your tree and you can't see them. No. You don't know where they at. It's the same scenario. You're doing the same thing. To me, that's that's blind calling. That deer, yeah. that buck is on a doe's track and he's trying to find that doe. And his testosterone levels are so high and his, his – his excitement level is so high and his frustration is so high. And he's just, every time his front feet hit the ground, if you watch him, it's eh, 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 as they're walking, same thing. It doesn't hurt to do that and try to reproduce that and and do it in that same way. As, As far as how often, man, there's no, there's no set time. No, It's all about your place and knowing what's there. If you know that you're hunting a bedding area and your deer are coming back from a food source and you try it early to see if anything came out, from the food source and got in the bed area early and nothing happens try it again 35 40 minutes later depending yeah. on knowing yeah. your land and knowing where you're hunting yeah you know 10 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes it, it depends it ain't gonna hurt like
0: i said i don't think there's a right or a wrong answer but and the the other thing behind it too is it's not like you're hunting deer that are just standing in one spot no. you know because the like we like you're talking about That's the right. bucks are moving so much that time That's of right. year you may have called you know 15 minutes ago and that buck wasn't there and then when you call this time you don't know it but there's a buck cruising and he hears you and he comes in especially in the
1: midwest all he's got to do is come over a ridge you and i both know in that part of the country you go turkey hunting you can hear a turkey gobble across a ridge or over a ridge and it sounds like he's three miles away and you're thinking (laughs) i need to get up and move and the minute you step up and stand up he's standing there looking at you You're like gosh i thought that turkey was a mile away yeah same thing with deer
0: yeah absolutely well i know there's there's nothing quite like the rut, especially in the Midwest. It's a fun time of year, and I, I'm I'm hoping that what we talked about today can help some of those guys. I know they're excited. Uh, I I mean I, I'd love to be up there right now, but uh,
1: anyhow, I think. Well, what I would love to see is some of, the, some of these guys that that are listening to this and the guys that are going to be hunting in the next two weeks um, when they start when they start dropping these big deer. If if you called them in and you and any of this helped you, man, shoot us an email over at Primos our website just just let us know what you're killing man oh, instagram facebook whatever i just want to see that's I love why i like you Troy, you're
0: full of good ideas i <laughs> wouldn't have come up with that that is a good idea i like that yeah if you if this helped you at all and you and you you know you shoot a buck and in this any of this helped in any of it yeah be sure to send it to our instagram our facebook page email it whatever you got if you do.
1: kill one and you say I nothing you guys told me worked, but this is what i did and it worked let me know because by golly i'll try it. <laughs> not that the truth <laughs>
0: oh man yeah so yeah and I hope I hope y'all have a great rut I hope uh, I hope it's fun stay safe Uh, like I said I'm jealous I wish it was we still got a while before we start doing that down here at Cottonmouth but um, we've
1: seen a lot of our two and three and four year olds running around but I give it another month to Five weeks and then five and six and yeah. start getting on their that's feet. A, it'll, we'll start, it'll be on.
0: That's what we were talking about yesterday. We'll start playing that game and we we'll check the trail cameras. Or where did that buck come from? Because exactly. they're just gonna start. Then
1: we'll have to decide: do
0: we go deer hunting? Do we go duck hunting? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, anyhow, I think that's about it's about all the time we have for today. We got to get packed up and headed back in. But uh, anyhow, I appreciate your time, Troy. As always, Man, thank and, you, buddy. It's, yeah.
1: it's always fun to talk about something that we're all passionate about, and you know, we're not sitting here trying to beat people up about calling deer or trying to sell them calls but again if you put faith in it and you do all your homework and you know your place and you've done everything you could do calling works oh, I, yeah. don't yeah. I don't care where you at i don't care where you at yeah
0: for sure it, it works and like i said we don't come at this like we're uh, all my uh, like we're pros, by any no. means all my stories come from stuff of how i've messed up Man, And look, well i don't need to do that that's again. right if i go out there and call <laughs> 20
1: times if i go out there and call 20 times and it don't work but on that 21st time it does and i kill the buck of a lifetime mm-hmm. It worked.
0: Always learning. You, always it's learning. like winning it's the, the lottery. You can
1: only win it with one ticket. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> always learning. Anyhow, hope you all enjoyed it today. Uh, like I said, always send in your questions. If you kill a buck, like we said, send that in too. We would absolutely love to see it. And, and as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.